All right, everyone. Hey, welcome again to the Gopher CEO community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you know, today is November 10th, 2020. Uh, we're in the uh, Corona year, right? Uh, you know, it's a crazy time, but, you know, I'm excited again for yet another CEO, co-founder of a company. You know, what we do here is we interview, you know, just entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs of companies that really are doing some things in their local community and that are growing, that are startups to $25 million in revenue. And today, today I've, I've got a special guest. You know, this gentleman's a father to a, a beautiful daughter. Uh, his daughter goes to the school as my daughter's school goes to. And, you know, we built a friendship over the last year, gotten a chance to get to know each other. And he was so, um, you know, nice to be able to just say, hey, yeah, John, you know, I'll support you and the Gopher CEO community and share my story of where he's come from. So, Julian, welcome to the Gopher CEO community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so much for being here. So, you know, we usually like to start off a little bit about kind of you and where you come from, and obviously uh, a little bit of the vision of where you started. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that and uh, where you're coming from. Well, um, for a professional gravel, I'd say it's a family-owned business since uh, day one. Uh, company was started back in 1988. It's, uh, you know, a lot of history in it. Mm. Um, you know, over over 30 years. Started by uh, my father. My father, who uh, he started the company with just uh, all he had was the drive and desire and, and the will just to want more for himself, uh, for his family, try to give his kids and family a, a brighter opportunity for a better tomorrow. Um, and, and I think that uh, that drive has, has really what made Percy uh, a professional travel possible. That desire to succeed and, and achieve more. So, um, like when we started, we only did drywall, the residential, mm -hmm. uh, because my father he was a taper. He he became a taper in the in, in the eighties, and uh, the early eighties, and he he did such a good job and got really uh, proficient and, and professional at it. Uh, sooner or later, the clients, one of the clients there, uh, told them, you know what, uh, why don't you do your own work? Mm. And you do such a great work. You know, try it. And my dad always had this entrepreneurial mindset that pretty much just uh, comes from our, my grandfather, his dad. And he didn't think about it twice. It's like, I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to go for it. And here we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and you know what? I mean, I'm standing... Uh, in uh in front of a wall and you know you think hey the paint is what makes it look good no 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 the taping is what makes it look good because it could be uneven it could be it could be not smooth so for those of you that don't understand that's what that means is taping of the drywall and really starting to put together and and you like you said it, that was the beginning of it right so tell us a little bit about kind of where you're at now uh and how you got integrated so your dad started the business you know you're growing up were you kind of seeing your dad you know, grow this business and then, you know, got interested or how, how did that work out for you to be a, a, a co-owner now? Well, um, that's very, that's very interesting. That's a very good question because there's a, a very interesting story behind it since I was a, a young kid and we're talking, uh, we, all, we always saw our dad wake up in the morning and for him, if he came back by five o'clock, it was a early day. 
open his company. He was already a taper and he was starting to get side jobs. So he will work his eight, 10 hours and then go work from nine o'clock, wow. make some extra cash. And eventually, you know, he took the, the, the chance and opened his company. And so that's what we, we always saw our dad working hard, 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 and always being a go-getter and never being satisfied, always wanting more. And, 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 and we saw that from him and, um, our, our summer breaks, I remember when I was a young kid, I was in second grade, maybe first, I don't remember exactly. My brother and I, he's a year younger than I am. And uh, our summer breaks, you know, they weren't like, oh, we're going to go play all day, you know, hang out with, with, the, with the neighbors, ride bikes and so on, play video games. No, that wasn't for us. Once in a while, but not all the time. And, but mostly we'll wake up, he'll wake us up at six, go to work, come back at five, six, seven, tired. And that was our summer break and winter break and whatever break we had, that's what we did. That's awesome. So, so for us, uh, that's, you know, for us working, working and working long hours and working a lot, it's, it's never been scary for us. And um, so, you know, that, that, that built into us a, a understanding of uh, what we need to do in real life, as even as young kids, we will get paid, not a lot, but we will get rewarded for our efforts. And it's not like we were, you know, the kids or the owner of the boss, so we would slack off. No, on the contrary, uh, if he saw us slacking off as young kids, he would be hard on us. He would be an earful. He didn't wow. want his kids slacking off. He wanted his kids working. Yeah. So uh, he was tough on us. and. And that's, that's a very good thing that builds a lot of good character and good uh, uh, discipline. And and as we started kept on growing, uh, we became more involved in the company. Uh, we started, you know, we started doing more work. Um, and I started focusing a lot in, in the estimating department once I was uh, in high school, after high school. And... Um, I saw my dad's success as a person who had, I think in Mexico, he finished, uh, I think he did finish high school. Mm. I, I, I don't remember, but he didn't go any further than that. But uh, we saw him that, we saw things that we didn't see on, on, on a lot of people. Um, for example, uh, to my mom's side really quick, uh, my uh, three uncles, very intelligent people. They, they they went to the university of Mexico. They're great, very smart people, but none of them succeeded. None of them succeeded. They were incredible at math, and they all they all became engineers, but none of them succeeded like my dad did. Not even close. Hmm. And my dad didn't have that formal education, but he had the discipline, the drive. And as we grew up, we saw that those were more important qualities. That when you blend in education and study that you have a great recipe for success. Um, but I guess we decided, I decided to follow in the business and um, maintain it and try to amplify it and grow it. Because one thing is starting a business that requires certain things, certain processes and, and sacrifices. But one another thing is, is uh, keeping it, maintaining it for the long run. That's a whole different you know, game plan. Um, so 
you know, we saw our dad working a lot, and we loved the fact that he was making good money for himself. You know, he was making a good living for himself. He could, you know, he could afford many of the uh, uh, nicer things that he, he wanted. Um, mm. and, and we liked that. And we liked the fact that if he wanted to take a week off, you know, go work, uh, go to vacation, take his kids to wherever, his family, he could do that. Mm. We love the freedom that that brings. That brings, it's a lot of responsibility, but it also affords you other freedoms that as an employee are not, are not exactly there. No doubt. You know, and, and you, you've said it, you know, the foundation that your dad laid down of work ethic, of not treating you special because you were the kids of the owner, right? And he had put in his time. So he knew the value of being able to also show you because he came from a situation that he was grunting it out, right? Making it work. So so walk us through that. You know, obviously through your high school years, you, you got this uh, plan during the summer that you worked. You didn't really, you know, mess around. Uh, tell us about how, okay, so you get into the business. Uh, you kind of got steered towards a certain direction in the business. What's that startup? And what are you starting to say to your dad ab- about as far as how you're starting to become part of the business? Well, um, as I become more comfortable, more, more, more confident in myself as I'm, you know, as a teenager and young adult, I started saying, you know what, like, uh, um, why don't we start doing, you know, different things? Well, why don't we start doing the, the different things as far as like more offer, offer more trades, more scope to the to the clients, and um, in, and like on a on, on a small tangent, like we were we, we were looking at starting different businesses. Mm. You know, yeah, let's let's do this, let's do that, and and I think he he saw that. I, I had, I guess, in a way, inherited that entrepreneurial spirit from my grandfather and him, and he really liked it. So, you know, we will try this, we will try that. Some things will work out, some things won't. But like one of the important things that he he showed he showed us is, you know, as a business person, you need to learn to how to lose. Mm. Because wow. because if, if you learn how to to lose. That doesn't mean that you want to lose or you should lose. No, it just means that if you lose or if you get a setback, you got to get yourself back up, dust yourself up, see what you did wrong, become better, become stronger, become, you know, smarter. And it will be that much more, that much more tougher for you to fail in the future. You said it's a learning experience. There's a lot of value, you know. So he taught us that and he will let us, you know, bang our head here and there metaphorically. And like, oh, but we, but those were great learning experiences. They were, they were so great. And and as he saw that we were that we liked that kind of stuff, well, we, we, he just brought us more and more. He always wanted to have the family like in the business. He's a big family guy, you know, <laughs> like the show. He's, he, he, I mean, he, he taught his his uh, my uncle, his brother. He showed him the ropes of the business, and my uncle opened his own business up north uh, by uh, Marengo. He got his own business too. And we worked together, so he, he showed a lot of people uh, the ropes, and you know because of him, many people in the area from his hometown that live around here, they've been successful. Wow, that's awesome! You know, and you know, and you know, you you come into a business that's established. You've had a, quite a few summers learning from it. Um, where in the business did you initially fit? So, were you in operations, in marketing? 
you know, sounded like you had some ideas of maybe even starting different divisions of the business. How did, how did you incorporate yourself initially uh, and over the next few years? In, in the beginning, and, uh, as a young adult, I was, I was uh, more in the field. Uh, like I said, we, we did a lot of residential, so I would uh, me- measure homes, to do takeoffs at the site. I would, uh, that's kind of more into operations. And also, I was also in, in the helping the, the, the employees, the workers, to work, uh, unload, clean, and a lot of the things that, a lot of, a lot of labor work, okay. you know, um, that's what we did, and um, I didn't really start getting into the office thing, and into the office area, and, and, and so much later, until, until I came back from Mexico. Oh, okay, so you spent some time in Mexico then, or? Yeah. From 2011 to 2000, yeah, pretty much almost 2016, like four plus years. Oh, wow. I lived in Mexico. Well, was that just uh, strategic? Uh, were you learning from some family out there or kind of developing no, a different was, skill? Uh, I don't know. I was in my mid-20s. I wanted to to go there, try it out, and I just said, let's go. Um, you know, when you're young like that, you know, you act first, you can think later. <laughs> All right. So you so you're in the business. You start with them. You kind of get in the field, and then around a few years later, you decide, hey, you're going you're going back to Mexico, uh, or at least want to go visit and stay there a while. Yeah, I was planning to stay in there maybe for like I, I don't know. I wanted because my dad has uh, some business in Mexico. I wanted to check that out too. Okay. And, uh, but eventually, you know, you know, life got through a huge curveball. In Mexico, and we could probably do a whole another interview on that. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was fantastic. Thanks to that, I, I met my wife and two beautiful daughters. So it, it was a wonderful time. Um, but yeah, so when I left to before I left to Mexico, I was I was starting to get more into the estimating and management. Okay. Um, and and when I came back, that's uh, you know when the business really started taking a very different direction, you know, because by the time I came back, my sister was in the business, my brother was in the business, and, and, our, and, our, and our dad was still in the business. Mm. So it was, it was already a much bigger operation. When I came back and we just turned into the, the big, to the operation it is right now, and the steps we're taking in the future. So when you when you left to Mexico, about how much revenue do you think, just guesstimating wise, were you guys doing? Um, not a lot, uh, because that's when uh, the, the economy, you know, crashed in 07, 08. Hmm. And, and, and then, like, for the next four years, you know, the, the business was not that great. It got extremely competitive. Think about it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the... Uh, a lot of the people that worked in construction, they, were, they lost their jobs during that time. So they became independent contractors, they started doing little business, and, and, and began to compete with those people. Mm. And when you have an office, when you got overhead, and, and the other people, you know, they just assembled a crew of guys, and they, they, they got a van or, you know, some minor expenses, it's hard to compete with them. Um, so those were tough times um, from 2008, Till 2012, 13, those were really tough times for the business. Um, and I say 
when I left, uh, we can really hit the, the bottom of the trend yet. But when I left, we're probably doing maybe one Can you guys shower somewhere else? Wow. That's only drywall, so that's quite a bit of drywall. Uh, on, on, on the, the prior to that, you know, the sales were much higher. Uh, they were probably double of that. Oh wow. Um, okay. Yeah. No, it really, it really did really bad for everybody, not just for us. Just fantastic for everybody. No, definitely. So, so just to kind of recap and make sure the audience knows, um, you had left to Mexico around 2007-ish. You said, or a little bit 2011 so you kind of saw that downturn you saw yeah. competition you saw your workers starting to compete with you right which is a, a big part of business especially in the labor market you know you teach someone your skill you teach someone uh those things and then all of a sudden they turn out to be your competitor uh and, and probably you know dropping their prices and talking to your to your clients and all that type of stuff so interesting time you know what um so then you leave, come back, and you said that actually the business had, you know, recovered and doubled. So now where did you no, find – what's that? No, the business didn't – it was recovering, but it did not double. And what, I, what I said is that prior to the economic collapse of 07 or 08, our business was double of what it was. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying that. So when you came back um, – you know, your sister, your brother are in the business, your dad, you know, so we're talking about family owned business. That's that sometimes can be hard. Next generation. They always say the second generation of a business is statistically proven to fail around 72 percent of the time. So um, so tell us, give us a little insight. How did you come well, when you came back? How did you position yourself uh, and, and what did you do to be able to you know, take the next steps with your brother and sister and your dad? When I came back, the, the business for like maybe two years has started making the transition from residential to commercial mm -hmm. projects. It, it, was a, it was a painful transition. Many people tried, many companies tried to do that and many failed. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not easy. But we were making it and, and little by little, my, my father, my sister, and my brother were building their, their clientele on that. It was a very slow process, but it was slowly but surely. So when I was still living in Mexico, my father had told me, and uh, it was in December of 2014, um, he told me, you know what, we're starting to take this direction. I need you to come back. Because mm. he's like, I need you to come back. You're really good with, with numbers. You're really good with being with, with you know, talking to people or clients. And we're taking one direction. And it has great potential. So, you know, me being obviously, you know, I was, you know, I've been there for my family, I'm the oldest, so I, you know, I, I, the business I had in Mexico, I, I closed that, came over here, and we started, and, I, and, and that's when I really uh, took the position as the estimator, the main estimator, the person trying to, you know, get into the clients. And, and so on. That I really took that position, and that's when we really, really started growing. Because when I came here, when I came here, um, we were doing small projects uh, like a framing, installation, ceiling, um, 
full installation, miscellaneous things like that. That part, we want we have one more in the main book. We're, we're starting to get more into the carpentry aspect of construction and commercial. So, but we were sticking to small little pill dumps, you know, like probably around twenty-five to forty thousand dollars in the scope. Okay. That's All in commercial, time. right? All in commercial, yes. Okay. Uh, we probably had, uh, I want to say, maybe four, or five carpenters. Okay. Staff, a couple of drywallers, some tapers. So it wasn't a big operation. Um, so when I came in, we started. I started bidding a lot, and we started. I started getting more aggressive on getting bigger projects that they had much more complicated scope, like. Doing a build out for like let's say an office for uh, an office setting, that's very easy. You just build some partitions and put the drywall insulation. It's just fairly easy. But once you start doing like the exterior structural framing of a grocery store, of a of a uh, resident of an apartment building, or for any kind of ground up construction, uh, you need to start learning more of the structural drawings. You start learning um, learning what the engineer is trying to tell you. Uh, in the architect, and I uh, need to have more uh, higher skilled carpenters, much higher skill that that are um, that know how to read blueprints, that know um, the, how is how the job the job supposed to progress, how how it is supposed to be managed, because that that uh, foreman will have depending on the job too to maybe ten maybe more people under his belt at that job. Um, so it really becomes much more tougher to make that to take that next step, which we took. We you know, that's one of those moments where we say, you know, we have to take that step to stay ahead of the competition. And and we've been successful, and and now we love getting those jobs. Uh, now we'll, we'll do the build ups, but we love the big jobs and complicated ones. What um uh, what would you say to someone? I mean, I guess when you say the difficultness of, of you know changing kind of direction from residential, simple kind of office structures to then these big ones, um, did you learn uh, a new software that allowed you to then uh, um, estimate those things better? I mean, what were some things there? And then also, how did you get into some of the clientele that allowed you to get that type of business? Okay, as far as uh, how to learn to do better takeoffs, actually, I didn't start using the software takeoff program until last year. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was all by we will, we, will, we will send the prints to to get printed. We'll print a set of prints, and here in my in my office, I'll just flip through the big pages. Yeah. And just do my takeoffs by, by hand with a scale and you know kind of paper and calculator. Wow. Yeah, I mean, eventually you do so much that you get efficient. Uh, and I, and I, I was just procrastinating on making that transition. And eventually last year, you know, around a year ago, I did it. And now I'm having a hard time wanting to go back because it's so much more faster and and it's, it's much better. Yeah. But uh, as long as you know how to do the takeoffs and know what you're looking at, then doing it on 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 the blueprint or on a software program, it really is only a matter of efficiency and time because the price would be the same, the takeoffs would be the same. And what was the, the other question to find out that you used? 
Yeah. So, you know, that was a great one uh, just to learn, you know, how you transition maybe from a manual perspective, uh, time to software. But then also, you know, how did you actually acquire the clientele that was big enough that, uh, you know, did you do marketing? You know, construction is a little bit different, right? It's not just putting an ad on a TV or Facebook ad nowadays. Um, how did you build those relationships and, and grow that market? Construction, uh, marketing, it's, uh, it's very tricky. The best way to advertise your, your company is word of mouth. Mm. Honestly, it's most fun. Um, having a website helps. It, it, it does help. Um, putting billboards, Facebook, all this stuff. Yeah, you can say it does have a positive impact, but you can have the best website in the world, the best pictures and videos and, you know, presentation, everything you want, but if you won't put it, if your reputation is not good, it's not gonna do you any good. Mm. Or um, you can you can have you don't you don't have to have if you don't have a website, uh, maybe you are losing some some traffic, you are losing some potential leads, you know. But eventually, if your work is good, your reputation is good, it's a pretty good chance that uh, you know there, you know people will see your work and they'll use hey, I saw what you did at that restaurant, hospital, and here I got I, I'm doing this project, give me a plus. That's that's typically how it, it works in construction. It's just your reputation, honestly. It's it's huge. It's huge. Your reputation. You need to be able to deliver on time. And commercial once the spotlight's on you, it's go time. There's none of this. Oh, come on, give me a couple of days. Like in residential, in residential, you have more of a grace period. Your commercial, you may get one day if you're lucky. One time. day because you know ahead, way ahead, when when it's your turn to show up. And they want to it because think about it. Let's say you're, let's say, uh, we got a uh, client A. He wants to open a, a, a grocery store. He wants to open it now because he's losing sales. Sure. And when you're doing your home, you want to make sure it's the, it's the best house as possible. So you don't mind waiting a little bit longer for, for the better material that you decided to get for your house or the extra attention to details for your home. So there's, there's a difference in mentality from commercial to, to residential from that point of view. Now, and, and, uh, first, no, I was going to interject and just saying, um, you know, as you got that bigger clientele, even though there is that speed to the game, was there also still a difference? Um, I'm just thinking off the cuff of my head, you said grocery store, you know, you might have a smaller grocery store that, um, you know, wants that speed, but then does a Mariano's type grocery store do they care more about the, the the kind of the infrastructure, the tools, the things like that that um, that you'd be building out, or, or is it all kind of same in that construction mindset? Okay, um, let me get to that one. But as far as like building the clientele, yeah, I, I didn't touch on this. As far as building the clientele, um, there's there's programs that GCs use like Building Connect and, and others, and they'll just send you like one of my. Our best clients that we got, we got him through that program. You know, he didn't know me, I didn't know him. He sent me, you know what, he just sent it to people, he's looking for bits. He liked my number. He tried us out. And, you know, for, you know, like, it must have been like four years later, we do a lot of work for this person. And, and you said what, what process was that? Through RFP? Or? No, Building Connected. Oh, Building Connected, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And then to answer your next question, um, as far as the, the quality expectations from from smaller clients or different clients, you know, that's one of the, the difficulties that, that people will 
they make a transition from residential to commercial that they have that they're not used to, to the increased pace, the accelerated pace of mm. commercial. Because here's the thing, not only are you under the under pressure to deliver, but you need to deliver quality. Just because you're going fast doesn't mean that they're going to give you, you know, a, a, a uh, poor quality work. Like, no, if it's poor quality, then they want to fix it. You know, so you got to be fast, you, you got to be efficient, and you got to be, uh, you got to offer good quality. And that's, and that's really tough because, you know, you're, you're, you're asking for a, a, a very, uh, it, it gets tough. You're asking for something that's, it's not impossible, but it's, it's, it's on a higher level of degree to achieve. Definitely. You know, you know, you're, you're given a sense of kind of the things even that you did operationally with your employees. Right. Um, obviously, you, your sister, your brother and your dad uh, weren't the only ones. Right. Uh, so can you give us, I guess, segue a little bit. You built out your clientele. You're starting to build uh, this program out. You're seeing the speed of the game. What are you doing to uh, manage your employees so that they have that same quality mindset? And do you have any checkpoints? Is there any key performance indicators? Are you going back to the to the office and saying, okay, hey, this project, this project, this project, you know, where are we at with that? Do you go on site and just see your guys on that day that they're supposed to produce? How, how, give me a little bit of that dynamic. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a checks, checks and balances to that to determine to make sure our guys are producing as efficiently as possible. So uh, the way we, we have our, our business set up, like my sister, She's she's head up all the uh, 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 ins and outs of the business as far as uh, uh, money flows, uh, payments, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, Receivables and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, she's in charge of all that insurance. Um, she deals with all that administration, payroll, and so on. She deals with all that. I am 100 percent focused on the estimating because once you get to this level that you that you're getting to so many clients. And you're building many jobs. It really, it really takes a lot of your time and, and attention to, to to make sure you're you're, you're bidding properly and, and at a competitive price. You don't want to be too high, but you don't want to do the free. Mm. If you're going fast, you got a phone call in the middle, you they distract you for some reason. Then you're, you're like, oh, did I measure this already, or did I not? And then you're you're unsure, so you start all over and you lose time. Or you, or you might skip it, and then you're cheap on the proposal, and, and you know you lose some money there. So my my dad, he's on the field. He loves being on the field. All right. He, he loves being with the workers. He doesn't work. He's just checking on them, seeing how they're doing. Uh, but he loves it being out there, and and, uh, and so he's 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 checks the guys, make sure they got what they need, make sure they're 100 on their tools, uh, and equipment and materials. I'll make sure that you know there's enough work for them to, to perform at max capacity, and, and, and he's the one that makes sure all that's happening right, uh, and that we're not we're not just trying to avoid leaks from that. Uh, I love it. You know, so you've described you know for some people listening here, um, I think yours. If I and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it looks like you're kind of in that sales relationship, you know, marketing management side of things, right? Uh, so you're a bit of the uh, VP of sales per se. Uh, your your mom, uh, sorry, your, your uh, sister 
looks like uh, she's kind of on the financial side, more of like a CFO, you know, managing the, the business, understanding, you know, expenses, you know, lowering those. Where's the cost of goods coming in? Uh, your dad is in the operations side, right? He's in the field, foreman, checking out the quality work, inspiring his guys to do the best. So that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's that's now you got three or four different controls in your business. So tell us a little bit about, you know, it seems like you came back, you guys redeveloped your, your plan of attack. You're in this world now where you built credibility in the higher level of construction, especially in the commercial side. So what are some things today now that are, are your day-to-days? Um, have things changed over the last few years? Do you have an apprentice at this point? Uh, if, if you need to leave you know, for a couple of weeks for a vacation or something like that, how, how, does, how does work get done in your particular position as, as a co-founder, as a co-owner? My particular position, uh, we are, I am currently uh, really close to uh, hire an assistant that I can, they can help me with estimating. Uh, we're at that position that, you know, the estimating part has become so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can only look at a screen for so many hours straight before <laughs> you're mentally yeah. Your body, you feel tired. You feel like you've been working out and, uh, and labor all day long, but you haven't even sit down. But you're, ment- you're mentally fatigued, so I'm at that point where I need to really look for help, and uh, so we can continue to to uh, to grow. And um, so sometimes when I want to take a vacation, like uh, I try to keep my vacations right now no more than a week. Because uh, so it's happened many times. Like I go to Mexico with my family. There's a family over there for a week, week and a half. And then in my first day there, I'm getting just a bunch of invites to bits. I was like, why can't they be there last week? Or why can't they? It's like <laughs> they know I'm going. And oh, so it happens. Invites. Yeah. And I was like, so you know, so I tell you know what, I'm in Mexico, and and uh, so uh, I'll, I'll try to get to it. I've even. You know, I've even, uh, in Mexico, I've gone to the, you know, to go to a small town, I've gone to the bigger cities, the bigger city, and, you know, get a copy of the print and work at it. Work, okay. work on a proposal in Mexico. Okay. And I'll just, I'll send the pictures to my sister, she types it up and sends it. Oh, I just don't, because we don't want to lose the, the customer or disappoint the customer. No, no. And, and that's part of scaling, right? I mean, now you're starting to develop that muscle of, all right, like, hey, I'm going to bring someone on. I'm going to teach them. But, you know, business never stops. So uh, yeah. and you mentioned technology and making that move. Um, so let's kind of keep on that same venue. You you introduced now this new software. Has that helped uh, for the ability to then be remote, right, be in Mexico and, not, uh, and helped in the estimating side? Because you know uh, physically how to do it. Now you see the now you see everything on a screen. Um are you able to still be as close on your quotes or your your quotes to to bidding, or how how has that helped dynamically on that? The, the, the main thing is the main thing that the software uh, doing the, the proposals on the computer. The main thing that it helps you in this uh, is to save you time. Okay. Because you don't have to flip through me, forty different pages, maybe more, on the larger projects. You don't got to flip around, flip around. Program saves you leaving your feet, your square footage, and uh, it, it has so many uh, um, it has so many tools that you can use that really make you more efficient. 
demonstration. Like I, I can probably do, uh, let's say, if on the plan, on the blueprint, it will take me four hours to put a proposal on the summer program. It takes me maybe two hours, maybe a little bit more, but it's almost a half. Yeah. So there's huge time savings. The program's expensive, but it's well worth it. It pays for itself in no time. Neat. Um, so that's that's the main thing. As far as accuracy on proposals, no, um, because if you're not focused and and, and, and you're not focusing on what you're doing, you can miss details on paper or on the screen. Sure. So as as far as that, as far as accuracy and of the, of the price, that's all in your focus and know what you're looking at. Interesting. So yeah, looking at all the details, right? Uh, you know, in the bidding world of, of business. Uh, boy, um, you know, being wrong, right, uh, for a certain type of, you know, project seems like you could probably miss out pretty big because you still have to pay your guys a certain hours, right? Um, are you are you guys union or non-union? How does that work for your type of business? We're non-union. Okay, awesome. Um, and then how, uh, you know, how many employees do you have currently? Um because of the pandemic, we really had to let go a lot of good, good people we had. Uh, just really quick, prior to March, before the shutdowns, we thought we were going to have a stellar year, break yeah. records. It was on track because usually the winter time tends to be slower. Uh, and, and it is, that's just, uh, you know, the, how the business works in this industry. Uh, but we were busy. We probably had, I'm going to say, full-time carpenters we're probably in the mid-20s 20s wow okay and to keep carpenters, and these are good carpenters they're not like oh you know they're very learning how to use their tools no these are good you know high paid carpenters that we have to stand that you know you need a lot of work to keep this guy busy uh and we did have a lot and right now we're probably a half of that maybe less we probably got like 10 maybe 12 carpenters and uh, we had, we actually had a, a taping crew full time back then. And to have a taping crew of four people, that means as a as a rough carpenter that does training, drywall, etc. Uh, to have a taping crew full time, that means you're busy. Yeah. Because a taping crew is only going to take. They're not going to do anything else. Wow. That means you have multiple jobs, big jobs, small jobs, whatever, going at going at the same time that keep those guys busy. We had a crew of hangers because uh, carpenters know how to hang drywall, but hangers, drywall hangers, become very fast, very efficient, very professional. And hangers, the carpenters, they're just as good as far as their quality and hanging, but they're slow. They're okay. not as fast. Not as fast. Interesting, and that all saves time and money, right? Um, so interesting. So, so at the beginning of this year, um, last year, 2019, were you guys a, a seven-figure uh, gross? Uh, sales or, or a little uh, bit under? We, no, last year we hit uh, we hit probably uh, four million. Four million, okay, yeah. So so definitely a seven figure business. Uh, so four million dollars. I, I, I thought I heard you know, eight figures. No, no, no. Sorry. Well, hey, let's let's get let's get you guys to eight figures, right? So uh, that's the yeah. goal, and and hopefully you know nine figures. But um, okay, so you're a four million dollar business, 2019. You got hit a little bit in 2020, um, but that's interesting. I mean, you know, you, you're you're really giving an opportunity to 20 carpenters. You got a full staff of uh, 
or a full team of uh, of hangers. So from the top of the house, I mean, what uh, what other strategies do you guys start thinking of? You know, if you think about where you came from, from those summers being worked with your dad when he's building his business, you know, to taking some time to go to Mexico, coming back, transitioning within your industry to a different type of clientele, increasing the pace of play. You just made a, a nice investment last year into this software, and now that's speeded up, you know, half the time, which is, a, you know, if, you, if you're worth $1,000 an hour, that's that's a lot of time to, a lot of money to, to save. So like you said, it, it's paid for it. But what are you guys thinking now? Like what, what strategy sessions do you, your sister and your, and your dad and your brother, if he's a part of it, um, you know, what are you guys thinking nowadays and, and how to, you know, go the next three, four, five years? Well, um, as, as far as looking further down the next uh, five years or further down, um, we, we obviously uh, need to continue making sales. Uh, we don't like to. Um, see, with us, it's, it's, it's become difficult to get new clients at a, at, a, at a consistent pace because our current clients just keep us so busy. Okay. And, and sometimes when I do get a new client, uh, uh, I tell them, you know, they, they tell me if I'm, all, if I'm always out there, you know, looking for new people. Because that's actually, that's not a good sign in construction. You know, oh. It's, it's it's weird how that you would think that's the opposite, right? I mean, but it's weird because you know one of our good clients, he, he doesn't want us to. He is, let's say let's say if you're my client, and you're gonna try to keep me as busy as possible. You don't want me doing work for the people. Yeah. You because you want me to know I gotta keep myself busy, so you, you just throw a bunch of work at us. So, and that's one of the things that I told the, the new clients. Like, well, what happens with us is. Once you try us, you don't let go of us. You know, so I mean that speaks volumes. I mean, because if if we, if we do a terrible job, then you don't lose again. Yeah, yeah. You do basically one one one, and you're done if if you don't do the right job, right? Now and that's kind of how that's kind of how that's kind of what a how a GC would look at a subcontractor that's just bouncing from GC to GC and doesn't have a, a reliable. But all the same, I mean, let's talk about, you know, you just went from 20, you scaled down a little bit because of everything going on, but now the ability to grow back, does that mean that um, even though they're wanting to for you to commit to them, um, if they stay consistent on giving you the work, you've got a, uh, a dedicated team for that. Can On the side, and I'm just thinking out loud, you know, are you still strategically bringing on new as you bring on a new client, are you building new teams to be dedicated to that one, or how do you, how do you do that? Well, I mean, the, the teams that we have, you know, um, since the current clients can go maybe a month with no new work, and all of a sudden they land three, four, five jobs. Or, you know, it, it, there's it's just very there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of variables. It's not consistent that they're landing two jobs every month. But, you know, they can land zero jobs every month, and then lands six the next one yeah um, so so no the, 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 the crews we have they work in all in, in the jobs of all of our customers but now with the pandemic uh we have taken a more active role in getting new clients because many of our clients they've slowed down a lot, a lot of projects they had in the pipeline put on hold got canceled you know so uh, it has it has uh forced us to to 
put more emphasis on pulling on getting new clients. So that's been a bigger part this year uh, of me, you know, getting new clients. And it's been really tough because there's not a, uh, the amount of work there, out there, it's, it's not as, it's not that much. So you get the same amount of people going at the fewer jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and you know how that is. That's, that's not very good for the, for the person trying to make the sell. That's great for the person with the project. If we're the GC, that's wonderful because you get to pick and choose. But as the one trying to get the job, then, you know, you have to work with less. Yeah. And, and at the same time, our employees, you know, uh, our employees, you know, they're not, it's not like you can tell them, oh, you know what, because, you know, this job, we, we took a 10% cut to get it or 5%, your salary is going down. Like, you no. can't do that. No, you no. Know, and you can't do that. So, like, the, the boss, the GC, the, the, I mean, the owner takes, you know, takes the job with a smaller margin. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, it, fl- it all flows up, right? Uh, with your worker, with their X amount an hour, you as a business owner, your overhead, everything you're doing. So how did you guys, um, you know, over the last probably six months, obviously, since we've gotten uh, the whole Corona thing, um, how did you guys deal with knowing how, you know, your cash flow? I know that you had to let go of some people, but, you know, was there any aspect of that that you worked with your sister, she's as the CFO on her side, that you kind of dove into or... Or did you kind of just oversee and you just wanted some reports to kind of make sure that you had some accountability on that? No, she, she's really good at what she does. She's fantastic. Uh, without her, uh, my dad wouldn't have the time to do what he does or I wouldn't have the time to do what he does. Sure. It's just, it, was, it really is an indispensable part that, that she has. Uh, um, but uh, no, she would report to us, you know, this, this is where we're at, this is what we can, this is what we're out there to collect, this is what we owe, this is our billables, our tables, and so on. And then we'll uh, we'll give our input and, you know, decide what, and, and, you know, brainstorm and meet up and see what we want to do as a company. But we, we uh, you know, she tells us where we're at, where our numbers are at, and so on. And reports to, to my father and I, and then we meet up and discuss it. I love it. Look, uh, you know, I, I appreciate obviously kind of walking us through the journey that you've been able to share. You know, it seems like uh, we could probably talk for another three, four hours. You know, I want to be respectful of your time and and the community's gotten used to, you know, that 45 to 60 minutes uh, and just sharing. So in one of the things that we'll do, uh, you know, Julian, is is meet up with you again, you know, about six months from now. We'd love to find out kind of where you guys are at. What's the transition been? That'll be uh, probably about the end of March, maybe beginning of April, um, and seeing kind of what that year has started to become after the first quarter. So one of the things that we like to end with, uh, Julian, is, you know, the C is for client experience, the E is for employee engagement, and the O is for operational excellence. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what's the differentiator for Garcia Professional Drywalling in the uh, client experience side. What do you think you guys are doing better than anybody else just in that particular piece of the puzzle? One of the things I think we're doing better is uh, keeping your word. Uh, it, 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 in construction and the contract part of it, there's a, a lot of things like that, uh, that are not exactly you know good. Uh, people can take advantage. But when the client calls you, and he tells you, Julian, can you do this job for a hundred grand? And you and and, and uh, you say, yeah, okay, that's you can do it. When can you start? Next Monday. You know, you keep your word, 
and they don't, you don't go back and try to nickel and dime or or try to try, try to scout a couple brands here and there. You know, when you keep your word uh, with people that value it, I mean, that that just that goes miles and miles to to improving your business and getting just a great reputation for your company out there. So keeping your word and uh, being professional and uh, owning up to to mistakes. And mistakes are made. And um, when you own up to it, you take the hit. Um, sorry, you take the hit, you move on, and um, you're professional about it. You make a mistake. You're professional. Um, you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't go and tell your. You, you let your employees know your employee made a mistake that cost you money. You let them know, but you don't. You're not out there. Hey, I'm. Mean, I'm gonna deduct. You know, five hundred bucks from your check. Hmm. We don't do that. Yeah. Because the mistakes are not on purpose. They're mistakes. You know, you just let them know, hey, you were purple. You uh you kind of went right into employee engagement. So it sounds like you're you're just you're the same way. Not only with your clients are you honest, but you keep it real with the employees. Uh is that one of the reasons too that is a differentiator with Garcia Professional Drywall? Like why are people oh, staying yeah. with you guys as employees um nowadays? Oh yeah. Um honestly, uh that's in any business. Yeah, um, your employees is, is your base. You know, if you have a strong base, you can go a long way. Um, and how do we keep good, great, not just employees, but long-term great talent? Mm-hmm. Bringing great talent. Uh, it's very simple. You got to pay them on time and pay them good. You pay them good. Um, since I got it really quick, since I came here, um, our lower skill carpenters, they were making low 20s per hour. That was back in 2015, 2016. Right now, uh, that, that same level carpenter is making 28, 30,000. Wow. Okay. That's a and, huge jump. Yeah. I mean, salaries have gone up in construction, but um, and, and we treat them fair. I mean, we treat them really good. You know, they get apparel on Thanksgiving, we give them a big turkey. If I go to Mexico and I know one of them likes tequila, I get them a nice bottle. You know, things like that. Um, and, and they show appreciation. It's not always paying them a, a more, I mean, sure, more money is fine, but sometimes when you think about them, like, the things they like, you know, that also is a nice gesture. And, um, and and we try to keep them busy. That's why we tell them, as long as you do your job, you're letting me do mine. You make money, I make money, and we're all happy. That's awesome. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, there's something called uh, EPR. So encourage, praise, and recognize, right? There's something to that uh, with what you just said is, is knowing your people, knowing if they like that bottle of tequila, knowing that, you know, maybe they need a little time off for certain ways or what have you. So awesome. Well, the last one we'll end it with is uh, operational excellence. Uh, tell us a little bit about why Garcia Professional Drywall is, you know, top notch on the operation side. Well, 